continue with our baseball broadcasters talking baseball podcast. I'm joined by the new radio voice of the Reno Aces AAA affiliate of the Arizona Diamondbacks, Zach Bay Rudy. And um, Zach, uh, thanks for joining us. Welcome to the uh, PCL, if we have a PCL this year or any other sort of uh, uh, baseball in North America. So uh, you're hired in January after uh, 14 years doing the radio with the Stockton Ports. And uh, needless to say, this wasn't the uh, April and May you expected. Yeah, Doug, thanks for having me. It's definitely not. I When I got hired in January, I figured by this point I would be be pretty well into uh, getting used to life in the PCL. I had the, the schedule all mapped out as far as when I would be either in Reno or on the road or possibly able to you know be back home with, with my wife in, in Northern California. And we kind of had it all mapped out because it was going to be a unique situation, but obviously none of that really came to pass. So I've just been home now for a few months. Yeah, and you mentioned your wife, Megan. Uh, she's a nurse and uh, really have a lot of admiration for what she is doing and everybody in the medical field. Um, what Has she encountered anybody with uh, what's happening and uh, what uh, what line of nursing is she? So she's, she's in the ER and she's actually also a nurse educator. So her job has kept her relegated mostly to uh, her office. She was a big, uh, a big help in getting them all set up to handle uh, the COVID patients when, when everything was kind of in process and they thought that it was going to be a, a big overwhelming number of patients. So they, they set up tents and all that and it, it never came to pass for them. They, they did not have a lot of COVID patients at all, which obviously we're very grateful for that. But, you know, it was, it was kind of a different outcome than the one that they expected to have in a good way. So she's been fine. Um, there aren't many, I mean, there may be a scarce few patients at the hospital, but uh, other than that, they've been, they've been really well off. Well, it's very fortunate. Please tell her hello and, and again, salute what she and so many others uh, uh, do. So uh, normally we would be at a ballpark time. I, I know that uh, the Grizzlies were supposed to have been in Reno last weekend. You were going to start your season at home. Uh, against Sacramento and just uh, what have you been doing to keep busy when normally we know where you are this time of year? Uh, walking my dogs. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much it. I mean, walking my dogs, going to the grocery store uh, when I need to. I'm just trying to keep the house up and, and, you know, do the things I'm not normally able to do this time of year. It's been, it's been pretty surreal, actually. I still do a podcast for the Aces once a week. I still host uh, Zoom conferences for Pacific Athletics for their uh, their student athletes, coaches, and and the the boosters and and any fans that want to join in. I do that once a week. But other than that, Doug, like really just trying to to kind of take this all in, and there's not much we can do. So it's it's just been been trying to accept that fact and 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 hang tight. I'm not really good at at sitting still, but I've been trying to be better this time. Yeah, and I think there's always. Um that way with broadcasters and I know basketball keeps you busy through mid March. And then you have a little gap normally before the start of baseball season. I think a lot of broadcasters say, well, here we go. It's early April. Where did that off season go? And got to get back to it. And then, you know, once you get back to it, you're okay. Um, but this is a different situation where it's like, let's go already. But we've realized we can't, mm -hmm. and there's more important things going on right now than sports. I've never lost sight of that. Uh, but uh, this is a, as I say, sort of like a cabin fever right now. You want to get out, and and I can understand in general people trying to get wanting to get back to the workplace. 
Yeah, I, I think it's only natural. And I, I think with with us and, and maybe the way that we'd think about this is that, that sports can actually be part of the healing and, and coming back together. And that's, I think, where we go because we know what a, what a healing thing sports can be and, and how nice being at the ballpark can be uh, for, you know, your, even for your mental health, just be, to be able to get away and to be around fans and family. But it's, it's really hard to come to grips with the fact that not even that is possible right now. And to, to be honest, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. Especially for a, you going to a new league, you've been uh, so used to the same uh, cities from 2006 through uh, last season. And uh, going to the PCL, obviously, it's a different bird. You had a little bit of a, uh, a sample last year. Uh, one of the games, uh, one of the series you got to call for Reno was against Fresno. Uh, and I often ask this about players who uh, make a a move to a different league. Uh, and I know you didn't do any of the travel in the, in the PCL last year, but what did you just notice uh, that was different aside from calling a few national league style games, but just generally, what did you notice to be the biggest difference uh, between calling games of the PCL versus the uh, Cali? I mean, obviously the ballpark and, and there was a, there was a, there was more of a crowd than I'm used to just in part because of the size of, of greater Nevada field. And there are a couple of ballparks in the Cal league, uh, that can hold that many. Actually, maybe maybe only one in, in Lake Elsinore, but the the crowd was definitely greater than than the one that I'm I've been used to in the Cal League, just because the ballparks are smaller. Also, obviously, the the way the ball flies, and it sounds really weird saying that having come from the Cal League because the ball flies there too. Um, but obviously, the ball is is different. It's been much talked about and written about in the PCL, and to see that in person. Uh, the new baseball and the altitude and just the the eye popping numbers that were put up in those games offensively was was pretty unreal. Yeah, and that's right. You bring up a good point because the the baseball Triple uh, A was different. It was a major league ball. Then, I mean, aside from you dealing with more veteran players and Triple uh, A. Um, but that's right. The Cal League uh, baseball stayed the the regular mm-hmm. size, correct? Yeah, there was there was uh, no change to the baseball. Yeah, and I know if, if we have it this year, I know Double A is going to move up to the major league size ball as well. So uh, you end up getting the job in, in Reno, and obviously congratulations on that, and, and welcome to the <clears throat> PCL. And uh, uh, the man for whom uh, you're following uh, has set quite a precedent, uh, not just in Reno, but really sure. nationally on the radio with Westwood One, uh, Ryan Radke, and uh, uh, you know, following him uh, is not going to be. Uh, easy of course uh because he up until this point had been the only voice ever of the uh uh, reno aces Uh, but uh, when did you first uh meet ryan i met ryan uh it was not baseball it was during basketball season because pacific had had a long-standing series with nevada that actually just ended this past season uh for one year they've renewed it hopefully we have a basketball season this year and pacific will play again in reno which is great i'm real excited about that because it's a great series but We'd play Nevada every year, and they'd be home and homes alternating. And I, that's where I met Ryan, and we, we talked for a little while and just kind of got to know each other uh, over the years through basketball. Um, and then you know, he had called me in, I think it was March of last year, and asked me to look ahead to July because he was going to have his vacation. Um, and he asked if I'd want to fill in, and he, he was so gracious in, in asking me and 
Uh, you know, he had told me that he, he thought I definitely deserved an opportunity to do something like that. And I'll, I'll be forever grateful for that. Um, so that's how it all happened. Like I met Ryan through basketball. We kept in touch and he asked me to fill in. And, and that was a great kind of first step for me and, and the Aces going back to last July. Yeah. And, uh, you know, fun opportunity and certainly seeing you up there and now a chance for you to call uh, Greater Nevada Field uh, uh, home. As I said, who knows whether or not we'll be playing uh, or not, but uh, that's the Diamondback affiliate. And uh, uh, you are so used to calling A's affiliates forever. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But uh, uh, diving in a little bit, uh, I'm sure the Diamondbacks is an organization you with whom you should be familiar, at least with their homegrown guys, because Stockton and Visalia play just about every night. <laughs> yeah, they so. do. They do. We, we seem to, to draw Visalia a ton because we're now in an eight team league. We're in the same division. And uh, you obviously know a great deal about doing games at that ballpark. There's no press box. So it's, it's always tough to have to draw Visalia that many times for, for no other reason than the fact that the press box is, is non-existent for visiting radio. And on those 107-degree Central Valley days, you're just kind of wearing it. Um, but, yeah, I see Visalia quite a bit. Um, <clears throat> the people that I've met with the Diamondbacks so far have been tremendous. Um, I met uh, Orlando Hudson, who's a Rover. Uh, I actually did their hot stove banquet at, at Silver Legacy in, in February. And I met Orlando Hudson, Josh Barfield, who's the new farm director was there and he couldn't have been nicer. And, and so many of the players that I've interviewed on the Aces Loaded podcast that I've been doing on Zoom, they've all been been tremendous. So uh, I did have the, the familiarity before just kind of peripherally, but now getting to know these people a little more intimately has been great. No, it's that's great. It's always fun to, you know, I think uh, get familiar, uh, you know, obviously with a with a great step for you doing the Reno games now um, and getting familiar to working with a new what to you is really a new organization. Uh, but uh, you mentioned uh, the A's, uh, lots of memories uh, there and and for, uh, you know, a, a job where affiliates change a lot, not as much at, at single A, but uh, uh, certainly, uh, you're synonymous as, as anyone is with uh, minor league baseball and the Oakland A's. I guess Bob Hart's in mm-hmm. England and, and uh, Johnny for so many years when sure. Sacramento was with the A's. But uh, uh, the A's were the only affiliate you ever dealt with, really. I don't mean your time in the Florida State League, but uh, uh, in the Cal League. And I'm mean, sure a lot of memories and a lot of the great prospects, uh, the homegrown guys, they had to have come through uh, – uh, Banner Island ballpark. Yeah, there's a lot of memories. I can I consider myself extremely lucky, Doug. You know, like there's th- there's a very low percentage of that happening where you work in in high A ball for 14 years and the same affiliate stays there. And I had that good fortune with the A's, and it obviously it, it led to a, a cool opportunity with the A's this past year. But it also kind of gave me insight into into really the 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 heart of an organization, the beating heart of an organization, because you become so familiar with how an organization does things, how they draft, what their philosophies are, um, you know, how they develop when they promote. And you can, you can get a, get a really good sense of how an organization does that and then compare and contrast it with the way other organizations operate. And it gives you insight really into, into the broader picture of the game of baseball. So for that reason, having been with the A's for, for that long, it gave me a lot of really cool insights and it, it also obviously got, got, uh, got me the opportunity to meet a lot of cool people and to get to know and become very close and good friends with a lot of people within the organization. And I value that so much. Well, and that, 
I mean, it's tough to sum things up in, in 14 years uh, with, uh, with one affiliate, but I mean, you, you, it came to a culmination last uh, season for you, uh, September 3rd of uh, last year, getting the call, your first major league game. You got to uh, fill in for Ken Korak. Uh, we got to work with Vince Contranio with the A's. And uh, I mean, we'll talk about the game in a second, but Matt Chapman and Matt Olson and Seth Brown, um, you know, guys like that who you got to see come through Stockton. Uh, and then just how strange is that? Now you're seeing them playing <laughs> – uh, not just seeing them, but calling a game involving them at the Open Coliseum. Yeah, it was it was surreal. Um, I had to. It, it was odd because I kind of had to refamiliarize myself with like Olson and Chapman. I mean, those are guys that I haven't seen in a few years, so I wanted to just kind of get familiar again with with how they've grown and you know what they've been able to do at the big league level. But uh, you brought up Seth Brown; he actually was our player of the game, and so. I had to go do the post game interview with him. That was part of my responsibility. So I, I went to the tunnel, watched the top of the ninth from the tunnel, the A's one, you know, in, in nine and they go back to the clubhouse and Fernando Alcala, the A's PR director was with me and he goes, I'm going to go get Seth for you so you can do your post game interview. And like, I was watching this from afar and Fernando told Seth, uh, Zach Beirutti's here to talk to you and Seth, who was just in Stockton kind of, you know, more recently than the other guys, like just the year prior, I hear, I see on his, his lips as he's talking, he's like Zach Beirutti. And he looks back and sees me and kind of puts his hands in the air. And we had this cool moment where, you know, Seth Brown of all people, this unheralded prospect is the player of the game in, in a major league game in September. And here I am from a ball interviewing him uh, in the A's clubhouse. And it was a, a cool moment, I think for both of us. And I, I have a picture of it. The A's sent me an awesome little plaque with the, the uh, lineup cards from that game. And underneath, there's a picture of me interviewing Seth. And I didn't even see, but Ricky Henderson's photobombing me in the background. And I never knew that until the A's sent me that picture. And it's a pretty cool picture and one that I'll always cherish. Oh, absolutely. Hey, if, if Ricky, if, if anyone's going to photobomb you, it might as well be somebody who's in the, totally. in, the, in the Hall of Fame. So, so what you're telling me, Zach, is when you were told to go down and, and uh, stand in the tunnel for the top of the ninth, you didn't say, well, wait a minute, uh, Vince Catrano should go do that. You didn't, you didn't try that. No, I, <laughs> I, I did whatever Vince wanted me to do, but that's, no. uh, you know, I was assuming Vince's role, if you will, for that day. Um, and I'm glad that I, I'm glad that I got to do that. I mean, obviously it's uh, doing that interview was, was uh, the cherry on top of what was uh, just an insanely cool day. And I know, you know, I know you've been there with, uh, getting to go up and really live out what's been a, a dream and what we work for. Um, and there's, there's nothing like it today. I'll always remember. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing that, I mean, a lot of people listen to you. I listened to the game uh, uh, that night. You did an awesome job. And uh, uh, thank you. Th that, uh, that experience, uh, what was it like calling a, uh, a Matt Chapman home run. Uh, now, do, uh, before I answer that, did you also call a pool host home run or was that Vince? I did. I called a pool host home run. So you've called Chapman home runs in the minor leagues, and mm -hmm. then you got to call a pool host home run, who obviously has pretty much encompassed your whole adult life playing in the major leagues. Yes. Uh, pretty, uh, pretty neat. I, I, you know, it was a kind of an out of body experience. Like, I don't know what your experience was. I know you called a triple play, which I heard live. I was about to go into a store. I forget where I was. And this is years ago. And I was like, well, I'm going to finish this inning that, that Doug's calling for the Giants. And 
uh, you got to call a triple play and you nailed the call. And I remember like thinking about how that must have been for you. I don't know if you had the same kind of out of body experience that I did, but as I was calling the Chapman home run, it's like, you know, okay, well, don't screw this up. But at the same time, it, everything, your, all your instincts kind of take over. And it's like, it's almost like riding a bike. Like you just kind of go with it. And, uh, you know, the call was clean. I'm grateful that it was. Um, and it was, uh, it was just, it was special. And I'm, I'm glad that my instincts took over and I didn't get in my own way, if that makes sense. Well, in the, in the Chapman home run, I remember it was hit appropriately out toward the Holy Toledo sign. So and I got was, to drop Holy Toledo because it hit off the to Holy Toledo yeah. sign. So my first home run call in the, Bill, in the uh, big leagues in the Bill King broadcast booth, in an organic way, I got to say Holy mm -hmm. Toledo. And it was, it, you know, I, I didn't realize it till after it happened, but I'm, I'm glad that it happened that way. Where was Zach Bayrudi, new radio play-by-play -play voice of the uh, Reno Aces, um, talking about his time getting the chance to call a major league game last year with the Oakland Athletics. And uh, again, just uh, as they say, uh, it's when he got to step in that broadcast booth for the first time and um, you were given what, a, how, how much notice, uh, how many weeks notice? This was, they told me on, I think it was July 3rd, and uh, the game was on September 3rd. So it was two months out. So I had oh. two months to think about it. All right. Yeah. It's, you, had, you had two months to, to prepare for uh, for uh, for that one. Now, the, the trouble play I called, I, I went back and listened to it, and I appreciate the kind words about about the call. Oh, for sure. It's a great call. Normally, I, you know, when I call a double play, because normally we don't call triple plays, but when we call plays involving multiple fielders, I always name the fielder. And I named the um, – you know, the third baseman I mentioned, you know, who got the ball. Um, and, uh, but then when he threw to second and then when the second baseman threw to first, I said, you know, uh, I forgot who the third baseman was off the top of my head. I, I want to say it might've been Ryan Braun, but anyway, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I, I went back to listen. I'm thinking, why didn't I say the second baseman's name and the first baseman's name? And I think I was just so caught up that, you know, and I don't think anyone was really saying, gee, Doug, come on, you got to, you know, yeah. I was just sort of, you know, I think we're always our, our hardest critics that, that, uh, you know, I went back and, you know, I, I, fortunately, I think I had a good, I had a clean call of it. I just didn't identify the, the second baseman and first baseman. Uh, but there's a little side story behind that um, because uh, the Grizzlies, uh, uh, it was maybe a week earlier. Uh, there had been an unassisted triple play in the major leagues. Aaron Bruntlett had turned it for the Phillies, to, and it ended the game at uh, in New York against the Mets. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of history involved in that because I think it was only maybe the second time ever in major league history that an unassisted triple play ended a game. And I kept trying to get that story in during our game. And uh, some of the uh, relief pitchers for the Grizzlies who were in the clubhouse listening to the game were, were giving me a, a funny bad time, joking like, hey, Doug, you know, come on, quit talking about this triple play. It didn't even involve our game. Blah, blah. So about a week later now, I, I get the assignment to go to Milwaukee to, to fill in for the Giants. And uh, one of the pitchers, a guy named Steve Palazzolo, who's actually from uh, your neck of the woods back in uh, in uh, Boston, mm -hmm. uh was joking with me. He's like, Hey, you know, we're all, you know, we're all happy for you getting a chance to go up and do that game. But he said to me, but remember people up there, they don't want to hear about triple plays. And, uh, you know, he I said, he was kidding around. And I said to him, I looked at him, I said, watch Steve, there'll be a triple play in that game. Unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, what? <laughs> so, uh, that, that, that actually was going through my head while I was calling that. I'm thinking, you gotta be kidding me. 
<laughs> Unbelievable, uh, man. It's, it's right. amazing how stuff like that happens, isn't it? Um, it is, it is, uh, it is strange in the, uh, you know, the, the Grizzlies to turn a triple play earlier in the year. They kept thinking, man, this is strange. I've had a chance to call a triple play at two different levels in the same season. I mean, that's probably doesn't happen. No, but, uh, your deal last year, uh, and I, I'm trying to think how many people have done the following that you've called games last season in single a triple a and the major leagues. That's right. It, it's wild, isn't it? I mean, you you went right to the broadcasting system last. I did. Year. I just skipped. I just skipped double A, which is fine. To uh, to do that, uh, uh, your time in uh, Stockton. Who were some of your managers uh, with whom you had to work with the ports? Uh, so my my first ever manager was Todd Steverson, who's back with the A's. I think he was supposed to be assigned uh, to Vegas as the hitting coach, but he had been the hitting coach most recently uh, in the big leagues with the White Sox. Uh, and then Darren Bush for a couple of years, who's now, of course, the hitting coach for the A's. And he's just one of the best. I mean, he's outstanding at, at what he does. Uh, after Darren Bush, it was Aaron Nakula, who's now the field coordinator for the A's. Uh, for a year after that, it was Steve Scarsoni in 2010. Uh, 2011, 12, 13, it was Webster Garrison, who right now is uh, is in his own fight with coronavirus. He has yeah. come off the ventilator, which we're we're, we're very thankful for. Uh, but he's still fighting, so we, you know, always send our our best thoughts his way. Uh, but Webby was 11, 12, 13. 2014, Ryan Christensen, who's now the bench coach for the A's. And if you've ever seen any of the lineups that, you know, Susan Slusser tweets him out all the time, they have the nice calligraphy. Ryan Christensen started doing that and practicing that when he was managing the stocks and ports in, in 2014. So I always get a chuckle out of that. Uh, 2015 through 18 was Rick Magnante, who's uh, back in the uh, New York Penn League, managing Vermont. Uh, longtime scout, he he was the guy that signed Barry Zito and Bobby Crosby and and many others. Uh, and then last year it was Webster Garrison who came back again. Uh, and uh, those have been the managers. I think I got them all. Yeah, and, and uh, obviously our best thoughts to Webby. At least he's off the ventilator. And we're also thinking about former A's manager. Yeah, Howard, totally. Who uh, sadly is in. I see you right now trying to fight uh, this uh, dreaded uh, uh, situation. Uh, but uh, I remember uh, last year, uh, I think it was a, a, I don't know, I consider it a funny story. Um, there was a game that I guess Webby was ejected in San Jose, and then it was early in the game, and then he, I understand, went behind the, uh, went into the stands and continued to heckle the umpire. Yeah, that's Webby. <laughs> <laughs> he, he 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 had a hard time letting it go and uh yeah he went out and i, I remember going to, to use the restroom during an inning break and in san jose they play god bless america like the kate smith version every seventh inning stretch and there's i mean there's no bathroom that's close so you're basically waiting till the seventh inning stretch uh to go to the bathroom if you have to go because you have a little bit of extra time I remember jogging back up the stairs and there's Webby sitting with our, with our pitchers. And uh, he, he, he called me out. He's like, Hey Zach. And I looked and it's, there's Webby, um, which is a bit, you know, unusual, but uh, yeah, that's just him. I mean, he's, you know, he, he's, uh, he's not a confrontational guy, but I think he, he felt like he still wanted to get his money's worth a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that was a funny story. I remember meeting Webby when he was hitting coach in Midland, Back like around 2001, uh, when Tony DeFrancisco mm -hmm. was managing uh, uh, there. So the same group of ballparks you went through in the Cal League for 14 years. I, I 
there was never a, I mean, Banner Island Ballpark had been open for, I think, one year after you had got there. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't uh, 100% new, I mean, just about when you got there. There wasn't any uh, changes to Cal League Parks at all during your time there. Not that I recall. Um, Visalia was heavily renovated. So if there's a, a ballpark that I would I would point out that that really changed over time, uh, it was it was Visalia. I mean, you remember old old Recreation Park before the renovations, and especially that the clubhouses were were tough at that ballpark before they they renovated. So they they made some nice improvements. Uh, the right field line. Uh, they built that big beautiful uh, brick facade, the front office structure. Uh, which sits out on getting street. So that was the one that changed the most in my time. But yeah, other than that, nothing really changed. Yeah. Well, the broadcast setup did not change. No, although they did. It it uh, used to be, uh, used to be umbrellas. And then they, they built a, uh, a a more sturdy canopy over our heads, which was nice. Nice. Yeah. But uh, no, that's uh, again, that's pretty much the same towns you got to go through. So what, uh, Whenever we get going uh, with uh, baseball, the PCL will be a, a new league for you. Uh, uh, I know that that Fresno is still on your list. You still have never been there. I, I have. Uh, I have stopped baseball. outside of of uh, Chickasaw Park. We dropped off. We dropped okay. off a player last year on our way to Visalia, and that was my. That was as close as I've come to Chickasaw. So what you tell me is you didn't come in to say hi. Uh, no, no. I was on the no, bus. I, I didn't have a. I didn't have a choice. Nobody was getting off the no, bus. I, you know, if I had the choice, I, I would have come in. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, that's the only the only pro ballpark in, in California you've not been. Uh, I'd be very impressed if you can guess the only pro baseball stadium in California I've not been. Current pro baseball stadium. Uh, pro baseball, uh, you're talking major and minor leagues? Major. Okay. I didn't, I didn't know if you're going obscure, like, uh, like with one of those uh, wood bat leagues or something. No, 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 pro, pro. Oh, man, what could you have not? What could you have not hit? Obviously, the PCL uh, parks—you've hit them all. So it's got to—it's got to be a California League park, is it? Uh, I feel like you've done Bakersfield and High Desert. You were in the Cal League, so I was in the Cal League. Yep. Believe it or not, Zach, I've never been to Petco Park. Oh, the Major League. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. How, how has that not happened? I, you know what? I, I often joke that. Uh, and of course, it's it's my former owner when I did the port, yeah. John Seidler, who's one of the owners of the of the Padres now. But uh, and I kid with him about it, you know. And I usually every September like to go and catch major league games around the country. And I I think I take it for granted that hey, you know, it's in yeah. California, I'll get there. And I saw many many games at the old ballpark in San Diego, Jack Murphy Stadium, and you know, I get to San Diego for for women's basketball with Nevada at San Diego State. Um, but uh, here's the deal. This is what I tell people. Most places you drive through, you don't drive through mm-hmm. San Diego. You have to get to San yeah, Diego. Yeah, but you hop enough flights. I mean, and, and who wouldn't want to go to San Diego? Well, of course, the first five months I'm busy with our games, you know, so that, that eats up through, uh, you know, April through August. And then I keep saying, uh, yeah, I got to get down there. I got to get down. I just never have. I, but I've not been to Dodger Stadium since 2001, and I've not been to a regular season game in Anaheim since 1987. Uh, I did stop by to see them in an exhibition game, that freeway series of the Dodgers. Uh, but I've, So it's been a long time in terms of any sort of regular season capacity that I've seen games in the Southern California uh, Major League ballparks. But, yeah, Petco's the only one in California I've not hit. Wow. So uh, uh, who knows? Maybe, uh, well – 
who who knows what's going to happen this season, but I'll uh, I'll definitely uh, get there. So your background, uh, you know, most of the guys out this way or usually have roots this way. Your roots are all really East Coast. Uh, grew up in Worcester, Massachusetts, and then uh, uh, stayed in co- college in that area at uh, Northeastern, the site of the first ever World Series game. I know they have the Cy Young statue on uh, mm-hmm. campus. Uh, but what was your uh, drive to get into broadcasting? <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, it happened totally by accident. Uh, this is not something that I had planned to do. Um, it was uh, in the Florida State League where I interned in 2005. Uh, I, I, at first, I went to school to to do journalism, and I wanted to be a sports writer. I interned at the Boston Globe, not in the sports section, but in the business section. Uh, and then uh, through a friend, I got uh, an internship at Roger Dean Stadium in Jupiter, Florida, which is home to the uh, the Cardinals and the Marlins, their spring training and their high A teams. So I, I worked with the uh, team's PR staffs for spring training. And then uh, when spring training left, I pretty much ran the press box for their minor league seasons. Uh, it's the only, I think it's still the only ballpark in the country that has two teams that play there. Um, so I was just kind of there in the press box. And at that point, PR had really intrigued me. And I was like, I could do PR and that would be a good avenue. And then I met uh, a guy named Bo Fulginetti, who at the time was the broadcaster for the Daytona Cubs. And he would come into our ballpark a lot because obviously we had two teams playing there. And he asked me to to come on the radio with him because he was tired of talking to himself and he needed just someone to talk to. And we had struck up a little friendship. And so I went on with him and we just seemed to have a, a really good rapport. And he, I guess, saw something in me and said, you know, when once you graduate, would you want to move to Stockton, California? Because I think I'm about to get a job in Stockton, California, and I'd love to take you out there and make you my number two guy, and you can do your PR. And I was like, well, sure. I'd never been to Stockton, California, but I just kind of accepted sight unseen. And the rest is history. I went to Stockton. He left after a year, and then they just offered me the job, and and that's how it went. And I've obviously <laughs> fell in love with it. It's become you know passion. It's become my life and career, and I'm just kind of a lucky guy. I, I really am. I, I fell into it by accident. And you know how many people really try and calculate their way into this, Doug. Like I, I fell in by accident and I've just been lucky to be around good people that have that have gotten me this far. Well, you know, obviously Stockton is, uh, uh, you know, a place that you've had a chance to call home. Uh, it's led you to uh, a great gig in men's basketball at the University of uh, Pacific and that led you to a, a chance to call an NCAA tournament game a few years ago. Bob Thomason, the legendary coach there, who I know has become your uh, broadcast partner for home games. It was his final game as a coach. He'd been to several uh, NCAA tournaments as a head coach. Uh, but, uh, um, you know, you've been very fortunate. You've had a chance to call uh, a big league game last year uh, and uh, an NCAA tournament game. Yeah, not many uh, not many people can can say that. And I'm glad that we had a chance to, to go to the tournament that year because obviously Pacific uh, changed leagues and it's just tougher to get in now to the tournament with, with being in the WCC with the likes of Gonzaga, St. Mary's, and BYU. Although I will say, I think if Damon Stoudemire hangs around in Stockton, I mean, they're making moves, and, and Pacific's going to be a team that's going to be knocking on the door here within within a few years. But, yeah, you're right. That uh, that NCAA tournament game is is another one that I'll never forget, although I will still maintain uh, it was in 2013, uh, the 12-13 season, Pacific's last year in the Big West. Uh, Pacific got the worst draw of any 15 seed in the tournament. They had to play uh, that Miami team 
Uh, if you recall, had Shane Larkin on it. Shane Larkin was the point guard, and Kenny Kaji was their big five man, and uh, Jim Laranega, the head coach. They had won the ACC regular season title and the ACC tournament, and somehow they were a two seed and not a one seed. They could have been the one, the the number one overall seed in that tournament, but we got a tough draw, and uh, and Miami had its way. But being able to do that game was obviously special. Yeah, I guess when you're a 15 seed, though, you don't really get. Yeah, they're they're giving you no love for sure. (laughs) But uh, no, that uh, that obviously is a a thrill. And uh, so you've gotten that game was was in Austin, Austin? Texas. Yep, at the uh, the Irwin Center, right? Frank Irwin Center. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So had a chance to do that, and I know uh, I got to see you in Phoenix. At I think it was the CBI or the the CIT. Yeah. I know. Yep. That was it. Okay. Got to see you there. Uh, so I uh, know you've had some great experiences and, uh, uh, I know Worcester, your hometown's, uh, supposed to get triple A baseball in, uh, 2021. Uh, do you uh, talk to folks back there, uh, to, uh, are they excited to get the, no, they're all excited. And I'll tell you what, like Worcester's going to be all in on this. It's uh, Worcester is a great, great town. It's the second biggest city in new England. And, uh, obviously it's, it's the heart of Red Sox country. They're going to have a new ballpark with a great title sponsor in, in Polar Seltzer Water, which it it boggles my mind. You can now buy Polar Seltzer Water on the West Coast. Uh, if you go to CVS, uh, it's the, the New England Connection. CVS is a New England company, so they carry Polar Seltzer, which my dad used to buy by the pallet and load onto his truck uh, when it was just a little unknown uh, sparkling water company in Worcester, Mass. And now they're going to be the title sponsor of uh, Polar Park, which is where the, the Worcester Red Sox are going to play. I love seeing what's happening in my hometown, and I, I root for them big time. Uh, the ballpark location is going to be prime. There's great bars and restaurants that have surfaced in that area, and I hope this doesn't put a. I hope what's happening now doesn't put a, a big damper on things, because it's really on its way to being something special. I have heard uh, a lot of great things, and uh, um, you know how. I mean, we know that Pawtucket and Boston pretty much hand in hand, but no question Worcester uh, uh, as well. So uh, those years in the in the Cal League, and you know, there were some guys that that pretty much uh, uh, have been there for about as long as uh, you have, if not longer. And uh, one of the great things about our job are uh, the friendships uh, you make, uh, whether it be all the years Greg Young was in Modesto, he's now in Carolina, Joe Rizzo in San Jose, Mike Linscog in Rancho Cucamonga. Uh, Sean McCall and uh, uh, Lake Elsinore, uh, and then uh, you know Keaton mm-hmm. coming in after that uh, in uh, in Modesto. But you lived, you probably had the most, I'd, I'd have to think, unique situation for a few years, where I'd have to guess that it was the only setup where you had two broadcasters living together who were on different teams. And you and Greg Young did. Yes, that. we did. It was in, it was in my apartment in Stockton. I think it was like 2009, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Doug, hold on one second. Stay right there. All right, I'm staying. Hey Doug, welcome to my quarantine life. Can you hear what's going on in the background? Well, yeah. this is good. This is good natural yeah, sound um, for you. Zach, who <laughs> let the dogs out? We had the uh, the people that uh, that do our our uh, our yard maintenance are here, and I had my dogs in the back, and they were going to come around and uh, and start doing stuff in the back, and my dogs weren't going to be having it. 
So I apologize if uh, if you're hearing some stuff in the background, but that's just the world we're living in right now, where I gotta I gotta worry about where my dogs are. Um, but in, I think it was 2009, 10, and maybe into 11, where Greg Young and I lived together. To get back to your question, um, and we we it happened because we realized we were living in the same apartment complex, and we're like, well, what are we doing? We're paying two separate rents. So Greg kind of just squatted in the in the back room of my one bedroom apartment. And, uh, it was, you know what, it was some of the most memorable times. Like we had no money. We were trying to make it obviously Greg's now, uh, the voice of the Carolina Mudcats. Um, and we just, we had a great time. And, uh, and we also worked together for an indoor soccer team during an off season in, in 2009, um, here in Stockton, they had, they had uh, recruited both of us to come work for them during an off season. So yeah, those, <laughs> those are some memories right there. Yeah, and uh, you guys could commute to Modesto together, and uh, when his team was home, and you were right there, and uh, in Stockton. So uh, we'll leave you with this because uh, I ask this for every guy: you get into such a routine during the season where you're you sleep till a certain part of the day, and then you go mm-hmm. to the ballpark mid afternoon, and you write in your lineups, and you go down for batting practice, and you know the game itself is just that. But then there's after the game, the camaraderie with the guys. Maybe you go out for a drink with the guys or bite to eat or something, and then you do it all over again. What is the – aside from actually getting to call the game, uh, what is the thing you miss the most right now about not being uh, at the ballpark or not being, you know, during your regular uh, – uh, Well, setup? I think you, you actually kind of nailed it on the head or we're leading into it. Uh, the rhythm of the day is what I miss. Like I have – uh, you know, and I, I don't know if this would have been, I mean, it would have been adjusted a little bit with the PCL just because it's different travel. And obviously I'm not living it at home, home per se when I'm in Reno. Um, but I mean, I like to, I like to wake up at a certain time. I like to work out in the middle of the day. Um, and that's kind of a good gateway into having a little bit of lunch and getting some, some prep done and then getting to the ballpark and having a, a clear mind to go down to batting practice and, and just talk with guys. Um, and hear the hear the sights and or hear the uh, sounds, see the sights, uh, whatever the given day is. I mean, I, I just miss the ballpark setting. Like you know, you go to the ballpark, and some days it's like a magnificent day where it's just a, a sparkling afternoon. Some days, like the conversation becomes, oh, there's some clouds rolling in, and are we going to play tonight? And is there going to be weather? And like all all those things that you take for granted that seem insignificant. Um, you know, you miss those little nuances right now of just the everyday baseball life. And I guess the, the rhythm to answer your question, the rhythm of everything is, is what I'm really missing. And I'm, I'm jonesing for it bad. Yeah, I'm there's I take a little bit of everything from that. And uh, I just miss the camaraderie with everyone. And, uh, you know, I failed to mention there's always the scouts. Oh, yeah. Come and talk yep. to you, too. At that, that six to to six thirty uh time and uh, i mean i know you're going to be well versed with what's with the pcl your your travel is going to be a lot different where you're going to you know bigger cities or you're flying or you're going to be up at you know 4 a.m after getting back to your place at 11 30 at night and right back at the ballpark to catch the bus to the airport but uh uh but uh, yeah it's uh it's just, it's all of it. It's all part of the process. It's uh, smelling, uh, you know, turkey mics yeah. at, at San Jose. Great pole right there, by the way. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, Zach, uh, glad uh, you and uh, Megan are doing well and uh, look forward to seeing you sometime during the uh, season. And uh, 
keeping good thoughts for for everybody, not just uh, folks in sports and baseball. But uh, uh, but uh, thank you for uh, for uh, joining us. And, and as I said, well, thanks, we'll Dougie. Thanks soon. for having me, man. And I'm I'm hoping we get to see each other soon. Uh, I'm hoping it's not going to take it till basketball season, but I don't know. We'll see. Well, I make all the new broadcasters and the PCL take me to lunch. So I, I, it's ready, and, ready and willing to go, man. <laughs> <laughs> Zach Beirutti, the uh, new radio voice of the Arena Aces, our guest on baseball broadcasters talking baseball.